Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Well, let's pray, get it to the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can you say loud amen? amen. Alright, so um, we, we're starting this morning. We've been building this thing up. And like we said, reputation safety. Alright, and uh, don't get familiar with the word. So you pay attention. You ensure that you are receiving everything that God has in store and has in mind for you and you get everything that's in store for all of us amen now we talked about yesterday we stopped at the myths of faith some of the mythology of faith some of the things we assume uh, about faith that are not right pastor alex great to see you you're looking awesome and they told me why you're looking awesome I already know the reason. Now, um, you can be sincere and be wrong. And if we add those two words together, it's called sincerely wrong. That's deep. You can be very sincere and you are wrong. So, sincerity does not replace knowledge. You know, a lot of people feel, oh, but but I, I did this thing in my sincerity. No, there's something they say in law. I'm not a lawyer, but there's something they say in law. They say ignorance of the law is not what? It's not an excuse. Right? Or do you say it differently here? It's the same thing, right? Yeah, it's not an excuse. So, uh, if you have a wrong myth about faith, it's not an excuse. So, one we said, people say faith comes by trials. And we say, no, that's not true. We studied First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. We started, writing, we started reading from verse 1. And we understood that that faith there was talking about salvation because of their what? Persecution. Praise God. Number two, we said, people say testimonies build faith. And we say, no, it doesn't build, it inspires. It can inspire, doesn't build faith. Number three, we, we assume that walking or uh, associating with faith people will make us faith people. No. No. They can inspire you. There are good company to be around. But if you want to walk in faith, you've got to build faith for yourself. Praise God. Now, let's look at some fundamental understanding of faith, about seven of them, and then we'll go on to read the scripture. Number one, faith is not just mere mental assent or wish. It's not just agreeing with your mind. Faith is not just mental assent. Right? You assent to it mentally. You just say, I agree, I agree. It doesn't mean you're in faith. 
Do you realize the, the man who came to Jesus? Right? And he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In one sentence. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> right? So, most people just mentally agree. Most people just mentally agree, but it doesn't mean that they are in faith. Number two, faith is not strong will. In Nigerian pidgin English, we use the word gragra, right? It's not bold face. But I can happen. I can do it. No, faith is not strong will. The source of faith is not from your will. That's not the source of faith. So you can have a strong will towards something. It doesn't mean you are in faith. Now, naturally, there are people who are strong-willed. That doesn't mean they were born with faith. You, you know, there, there are kids who are strong-willed, who if they want something, they'll go for it by all means and get it done. But that does not mean they are in faith. So you can actually get your strong will to get things done and you think it's faith, but it's not faith. Because if your will is strong enough, you can actually achieve a lot of things. But that's not faith. That's not faith. That's not faith. Let me, let me give you an example of this. Are, are, you, are you with me? Realize that uh, Moses could not talk. And what was his assignment? To talk. You know, have you where people say uh, your natural abilities can be an inclination to what God is calling you to do? In motivational circles, it is correct. In the Bible, it is not. For business seminars, motivational circles, perfectly correct. In the church of the living God, not correct. Why? Because God can call you to do what you don't have a natural ability for. Then he gives you grace. Another popular thing that's not correct. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Motivational circle, correct. The house of God, you can't be anything you want to be. You can't do anything you want to do. You only are who God says you are and do what he says you should do. Because like Paul, you might want to go and preach in Bithna and God says, no, go to Macedonia. Your vision for the world might not be from God. Because zeal is not equals to calling. So you can, you can be zealous that you want to go to the nations, but he might not be sending you. I think you want to work for God, but he might not need your help. Because he's already called someone else. Are you here with your shock observers? Because he might 
already called someone else for that assignment. That's why ministry is working in line with God's will. It's not your desire. It's not your ambition. It's not your plan. Are you following this now? Now, why are we going through these fundamentals? Because people set out with strong will to achieve things and say they are in faith and they say, well, my faith did not work. No. It's not strong will. It's not strong will. It's not just sitting and deciding, I want to go to the nations. And you set your map to the nations. It's not. You know, I've been preaching in Kenya since 2011 every year, except the year that the COVID year was peaked. That's 2020. But I think 2021, I came in. I've preached in Uganda. I've preached in, and I haven't preached in Rwanda. But you know, just only next year is when I'm going to Tanzania. Now, you know, I mean, you know that if you get to Kenya, it's easy to just go to Tanzania to preach. You'd always have pastors who are in Kenya who would know, you know, and those opportunities presented themselves. But it was not time for the nation. Then I'll be praying about it. I've been praying about it. I've been praying about it. And just, I'll tell you something. I'm telling you something. I'll pay attention to this. And just last year, a pastor reached out to me and said, I've listened to over a hundred of your messages. I need you to come to Tanzania. Now pay attention to this. And he introduced me to all of his pastors and he says, I want us to do dear Timothy. Now he's a branch pastor. So he reached out to his bishop. His bishop says, okay, let's, 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 let's get the meeting sorted. And then because of the whole Nigerian thing, we now require a referral visa from Tanzania to get into Tanzania. That means someone in Tanzania has to refer you to the immigration and then um, you know, to get you the visa. And this pastor has never invited a Nigerian. Now, get in and the process becomes messy. You have to go to the national, you know, pastors and all this stuff. This stuff gets messy. And it's difficult for him now. And then I, I was praying yesterday and the Lord spoke to my heart and says, hey, that Tanzania door there is an adversary against that door. And you need to pray it out. The scripture just popped up. A door is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. So I call the pastor up. I say, hey, what's going on? And he tells me, I don't know how to tell you. But we spoke to my bishop. We'll be trying to get letters. It's been mercy because something just happened. And, and I said, and, and, and the Lord had told me, before the invitation came, the Lord told me specifically, tell them you bear your cost. You go preach at no cost to them. And so, because the Lord told me, I bought my ticket already for next year. So, so I reached out to him and I said, it's fine, I'll come. And he says, uh, it's difficult to get you an invitation later. I said, don't worry, I'll get an invitation later. I'll, I'll come, I'll come. Just don't worry, I'll come. And he says, so I sent him my ticket. I said, I'll come. It's no cost to you. My ticket is already bought. So I sent him a ticket yesterday. And he was like, oh, thank you. This will really help me in talking with my bishop. What am I saying? I'm not going there with strong will. Because it's the Lord that opened that door when there's a problem with the door, the Lord speaks to me about it. 
and the Lord prepares me ahead of time with the solution, that's faith. So you can't walk in faith without a vital relationship with God. Are you following this? But with strong will, listen, you can go and preach anywhere with strong will. It's to just say, oh, do you know somebody in Tanzania? Let me go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the road might be smooth, but it's still not God that sent you. So, listen to this. Presence of trouble by an assignment. Presence of trouble is not what? Is not the absence of divine assignment. That means you can have a divine assignment and there are adversaries. Come on, are you still here? So that's why, uh, what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with the fact that faith is not strong will. So I'm showing you the process of faith, how faith helps us to get into places, but faith is based on obedience to God. Are you following this now? When you walk around a lot of strong will people, you would develop a lot of human visions. And you'll be successful. But it's not accounted to your record because you're not sent. I have friends who have seen me work in the prophetic. I wouldn't say prophetic. Actually, what I work in is the word of knowledge. And if you have observed, my word of knowledge is very sprinkled. Sprinkled, I mean by it's not gushing. So I'm not going to give 100 people words of knowledge. I can speak to two, three people and I'm done. I'm not trying to stir the anointing. There is more. I'm not trying to press into anything. If I don't hear anything, I'll teach you the word and I'll sit down. Now, because people watch me walk in that, sometimes people invite me for prophetic conferences. And I decline. The reason is because the people want me to step into an office that I'm not called into. But I can stretch the word of knowledge a bit stronger and literally pick words for people. What will not happen is my attention will be picked out of the teaching ministry, which is the office that the Lord has set me. I will begin to cultivate, covet this particular gift, stepping out of my predominant office, 10 years down the line, I veered off from the teaching ministry. This grace diminishes, and the Lord did not give me that. That's what strong will can do. So strong will can push you out of your office, your God-ordained office. Are you still here? Number three, faith confesses positive, but faith is not just positive confession. So faith is positive, but faith, right? It's not just positive confession. Because people just take some very good positive confessions and speak them, but it's not faith. 
Some quotable quotes that sounds nice is not faith. Do you realize Paul says we are crushed on every side, but we're not defeated? That's not, you, you know, that's not a very good confession. It's not positive, but there's faith there. So most people give these quotable quotes, but it's not faith. Now you must understand this. Faith must be rooted in God. God is the source of faith. Not Aristotle. Not Socrates. Not Martin Luther. Not Nelson Mandela. Faith has to be rooted in the word of God. Are you still here? Number four. We're looking at fundamentals of faith. Fundamentals. Number four. Faith does not work on its own. And I, and I want to back this up by scriptures. Faith does not work on its own. It is not independent of other instructions in the word of God. Right? Faith does not work on its own. Right? It is not independent of other instructions in the word of God. So, let me read scriptures. Can I prove this from the Bible? Matthew chapter 5. You will understand it. Verse 23. Matthew 5, 23. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Because that's why we need to learn about faith. Now, look at this. The Bible says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. What that means is, the offering you want to sow, that seed faith you want to sow, cannot be sowed in bitterness. So you cannot have things against people and still want to operate faith. This strife will disannoy your faith. So, you know, you can't just build faith and ignore every other instruction in the word of God. Like, you gossip a lot, but yet you want to believe God. So faith is not something that when God sees then he is blind to every other area of your life. I, I want to say that again. Faith is not a drug that you give to God, then he forgets. So you've got malice, you've got bitterness in your heart, but here you are, you want to exercise faith. No, faith does not work independent of other instructions in the Bible. But what do we teach in today's church? What we teach in today's church is that your seed will provoke God to do anything. God says, no, don't provoke me. The last time I was provoked wasn't good. It was in the wilderness. Right? God, don't, you don't have to provoke God. God says, take your gifts, leave it at now, now look at this. Look at this. Pay attention to this. It says, let's read again. Let's read again. 20, 20 what? 23. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, 
and they remember. Remember. You remember. Hope you collected your offering already. But I like what the Lord says. He didn't say go back with your offering and reconcile. He said leave. So what you're doing offering is right, but the offense against your brother is something you need to deal with. He says, so leave that and sort this. And then this can be done. What am I saying? Have you heard faith people who don't want to live right? Yes. They don't want to live right. And they wonder why their faith isn't working. Faith is not a miracle wand. It's not a magic word. You know, I, mean, I, I don't watch a lot of cartoons. My spiritual daughter does. My biological daughter does. The two girls I have, they watch cartoons. And you know some cartoons have magic word. Right? Once you see that magic word, I don't know what happens because I don't watch. But I know something happens. That's not what faith is. Faith is not a magic word that will absolve you of disobedience. So, so, so we can't say, I'm believing God for this. And, and your life is all messed up. You have to first of all use faith to get your life right. Use faith to stop gossiping. Before you use faith to believe for a car. You need to use faith to stop your mouth from running. Before you start believing for money to run into your bank account. Getting money to your bank account is easier for God to do than to keep your mouth shut. That's why the greater expression of faith is learning how not to say something. Right? How not to speak evil of people. You've got to learn to use mouth. Because people are going to do stuff to you that will, speaking evil of them will be legitimate. It will be justified. It will be accurate, but it will be ungodly. So something can be accurate, justified, logical, but it's ungodly. Because the more, the more you're exercising your faith, the more you're developing your faith, the more your words, we'll talk about that in the afternoon, the law of words, the more you, your words are, are handled with care. Thank God for the president that just came into, into power a few, few months ago. When he was in secondary school, there are words he could say. He could say, I think I want to bring this house down. And people would say, oh, my friend, go away. But as a president, if he says that, he will be quoted. I'll talk about that in the law of words. When you go in faith, you no longer joke. And I'll show you that in the afternoon that idle jokes and sexual immorality were put in the same verse of scripture. 
In, in our church and even among my team, we don't joke with poverty. We don't make examples of poverty. You know, I was riding with the team yesterday and one of my guys said, let's do this because we don't know where we'll come back. I said, no, you don't say that. You, you don't say that. I know I'll come back next year. I know that I'm coming back. And if you want to come back, you don't say that. Now, because when you say that, you've calculated your salary, you've calculated your amount, you've calculated the cost, and it's just like, no way. But in two months, things can change. Are you following this? Do you think when I talk about going to the nations, I have some money saved up? No. My ticket is in the word, go into all the world. That's where my ticket is. Go into all the world. That's where my ticket is. Somebody's looking for it. Because <laughs> if God didn't tell you go, then you stay. So you can't, you can't train people on faith if you have not trained them on hearing the voice of God. We are trying to teach people faith who don't know God. And that's a problem. Are you still here? They say we are not in a hurry today. Are, are we in a hurry? First <laughs> Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Let me, let me substantiate that a bit. First Peter. I'm even learning not to say things are too expensive. I think I've, I've picked that up from the people around me along, uh, for, for a while now. They, they've been influencing me wrongly where that is concerned. And I had to repent before the Lord for taking their words more seriously than the word of the Lord that says he will supply our needs. And you have to be careful of things like that. Because you pick up unbelief faster than you pick up faith. Are you following this now? We'll deal with the Lord in the afternoon. We're really good. First Peter 3, 7. It says, you husbands. You know, we don't really preach to husbands in church. And I have a big problem with that. Very big problem. Because when we teach marriages in church, we always teach the women. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible, listen carefully to me, the Bible never puts the responsibility of a marriage on You never find it in the scriptures. The Bible never asks the woman what's going on in your home. Men don't show up for marriage conferences. Men don't show up for prayers for marriages. Even if somebody is trusting God for the fruit of the womb, if you ask them to come out, it's only the woman that will come out. The man will not come out. And as a pastor, you need to correct that. If the husband is there, bring both of them out. Because the only immaculate conception we had was with Mary. The Holy Spirit is not going to impregnate anybody again. And so if you're trusting God for the fruit of the womb, then both of you that are going to get this thing, hands need to be laid on both of you because you might as well be the problem. And pastors need to be firm on that. God says, I know Abraham will command his children to walk in my ways. The responsibility of marriage is on the man. It, 
Are you are you coming? Are you are you following what I'm saying? We need to renew our mind. Did you come with your shock absorber? Or should we should we should we backtrack a bit? And if we teach this, men will learn to be as priests in their homes, not just when they want to issue commands, but when they want to build a culture of the world. So when we teach marriages in church, we don't teach romance. Romance is not why our marriages are breaking up. It's on renewed mind. So you don't gather people on Sunday and tell them, make bedsheet for your wife, wash plates, um, buy flour. If you are a Christian, those things should flow naturally. Let me tell you. If you see your wife carrying something and you are kind-hearted, fruit of the spirit, you are kind-hearted. If you are kind-hearted and you are not a devil, you will help. Do you understand? Listen, I mean, Sometimes I go with my team, I have people who work for me who are my staff, and they want to do stuff, and I go and help them. I'm not trying to impress them. It's the gentleness of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So when we teach marriages in church, leave flower, leave beshits, leave sex styles, leave all of those. Those are not people's problems. How did I get here? What was I reading? First Peter chapter 3. I thought we were talking on faith. <laughs> so what you do when you're teaching a marriage conference is you teach the man to be a good Christian. If he is, his marriage will be solid. If he prefers love, what does love do? You prefer the other person. If you prefer the other person to yourself, you naturally... It's not a way to win her heart. It's the way to live as a Christian. Her heart is not lost. You know, we teach all these things and... They look sound, they look nice, they look great. It's a waste of time. That's why a pastor's marriage can break. Because a pastor can teach the word and he is not a Christian. So I can teach you, but I'm very mean. But I can't be mean when I'm teaching you. But when I go home, I'm mean. What my marriage needs is not a pastor. My marriage needs a Christian. So when you want to marry someone, first of all, find out, are they Christians? Not can they speak in tongues, no. Because someone spoke in tongues in 1 Corinthians and slept with his father's wife. So can he groan for three hours? No, he's not groaning. What is the criteria for the man you are looking for? Galatians 5.22 Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long Look for that one. Long suffering. What does long suffering mean? Suffering for long. Pastor Lee got it. You can't, you can't go wrong with that. What does long suffering mean? Suffering for long. Because this woman might have a habit that is taking time to change. You suffer long. Endurance. So if you add long suffering plus endurance, that takes some years. Are you following this? So you're not looking at height, shape, size. When you ask old 
people, what do you want in your life? They will say peace of mind. When you ask younger people, what do you want? They will say hips, lips, fingertips. If you are wise, you will look for what old people are looking for. Because when the hips are down and the lips are gone, you will need peace. Alright, First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Faith does not work independent of other things. You husband, I think that's what got me there. In the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. Understanding connotes knowledge. So a man can live with his wife in an ignorant way. And that's the problem. Because we are vast in the romantic nature of the world. And that's why you see Christians, some ladies will say, Christian brothers are not romantic. And that's why you find that Christian sisters sometimes marry bad boys. Because they have also not been taught what to look for. Are you following this now? And the bad boys know, yes, the bad boys know how to mesmerize them because Christian sisters watch the same film that the bad boys watch. So Christian sisters are expecting what they watch in the movies and the bad boys are perfected in these skills. But you don't want what you are watching on the film. You want what is on the world. I'll tell you this. When, when I got married, I had an experience with my parents that was not too good. So, not like it was bad, just not too good. So, when, my, when, when I got married, I was treating my wife that way. You, you know, not using that experience to treat my wife. And one day I was praying and the Holy Spirit said to me, you're treating your wife because of this experience and if you don't change, she, over time, learn to cope with this treatment and that's going to be a problem in your marriage. That cannot be gotten by watching a movie. So how did that happen? How did that adjustment happen? I heard God. Not God speaking to me as a preacher. But God speaking to me as his son to save my marriage years to come. And I had to make that adjustment because I didn't even know I was acting that way. You understand me? Some of you are married, but you are treating your wife with uh, an information you the word of God. And that's a problem. Well, this that we just did is to help someone. It's called the word of knowledge. Let's get back to faith. Your husband, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she's a woman and show her honor. Now, this is where we have the issue. We always emphasize that weaker vessel because it suits our understanding. But, but no. The key is show our honor. 
It's not the woman. The man shows the woman honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life for your own good. The last line can be summarized for your own good. Now, if a man understands this, you now understand that being good to your wife is for your own good. Because if you are not, your prayers will be hindered. Not by the prince of Persia, but by yourself. So, 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 why did I read this scripture? You cannot be a faith giant while you're mistreating your wife at home. Your faith will not produce because it goes contrary to the word. If most men will honor their wives, they will be blessed. If most men will honor their wives, they will be blessed. Because your prayers will be hindered, not by Satan. Not by the prince of Persia, not by the prince of Kenya, but by your own renewed mind, because you don't have understanding. So, so, <laughs> why am I teaching this? So, the point is this. It's because when you get married, God is entrusting you with one of his daughters. Whom he died for. And expects you to walk in the image and likeness of God and cultivate that woman and honor that woman, listen to me, outside of the fact that she is your wife, she is a blood, 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 blood saint of the Lord. But with blood. Right? So, that's why if you go to Ephesians, before it says submit yourself, to your own husband, he had said, submit one to another. Because you are first a Christian before you marry. So when you are in a department, people, and they're telling you, do this, that's where you learn submission. In the choir, that's where you learn submission. It's the submission you have carried out in the local church that you will take into marriage. That is why if somebody is not acting right in the local church, don't marry them. They won't change in marriage. An unsubmissive choir member is an unsubmissive wife. Marriage certificate will not alter your character. It will only give you permission for legal sex. Are you still here? So if you... (laughs) So... Why am I thinking of marriage? Sir? Okay, let's. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> All right, let's read. Let's read. First Peter 3 7. You husbands, in the same way, praise God. <laughs> Live with your wives. Right. Because before then, it's talked about the submission of Sarah. 
And Sarah calling Abraham Lord. And talking about the inward adornment, not external adornments. What I was trying to say is that the daughters of Sarah are not known by their makeups. Because you can make up a bad character. So he says, you look for the inward, quiet, gentle spirit of the heart. Watch the word gentle spirit. Because if the lady has the Holy Spirit, she will be gentle. If she ain't, she has not been yielding. Because no matter how braggadocious you are, if you're yielded to the Holy Spirit, when you want to raise your voice, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you will say, don't worry, it's okay. But when you now say, I know, but let me clear my mind. The Holy Spirit says, okay, okay. Because the Holy Spirit does not possess you. He guides, not drives. So, you can be full of the Holy Ghost and have very terrible character. Because you're not yielded. Are, are you following that? Now, when he says that, he now says, in the same way. What same way? In the same way we've talked about the submission of sin. To Abraham in the same way. Why? Because it's a way of life for both the husband and the man. Are you following that now? Okay, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Okay, let's get back to faith. Five. That was a marital crash course. Okay, number five. You can experience some things by the mercy of God. But to get further and experience more, you would have to use your faith. So, the fact that your needs are supplied right now does not mean it's by faith. Let me show you scriptures. Matthew 5, 45. Matthew 5, 5. What are we looking at? You can experience some things by the mercy of God, but to get further, what's going to happen? You've got to learn to use your faith. Matthew 5, 45 says, um, verse 44. Verse 3. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Do you know this is what we preach today in our churches? Oh, we preach in church today. Is this not what we preach? Why we pray all the enemy killing prayers? This is what we teach. Die by fire. This is it. I know some of you still pray it, but that's your problem. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 44. 44. But I say to you. But I say to you. Love your enemies. Pay attention. Pray for, not against. For is the defining word. Pray for those who persecute you. The Lord showed me last month how prayers, intercessory prayers, is the key to prosperity. And I saw it from the book of Job. I have now become an intercessor. Oh, I'm praying for people now. <laughs> you pay for that. <laughs> Next verse, verse 45. 
so that you may be sons of your father. If you are in verse 44, you are not a son of your father. So praying against your enemies and praying for your enemies is an image issue. What qualifies you to be a son of God is if you act like God. Then he tells us how God acts. He says, so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his rain to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the righteous. This is, we don't like this, but the truth of the matter is that there is a portion of God's goodness that falls on those who want to serve him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, there is a portion of the fact that God is a creator and he has responsibility to his creation that he ensures that some people's lives are just okay. That is why David said, I was upset when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You, do you understand what I'm saying? You guys are like, this guy is living a wayward life. He's not serving God. But look at him. It's the rain that comes on the just and the unjust. It's just the nature of God. Because at one time, you were also unjust. <laughs> and you partook of that rain. Imagine if you had control over the sun. You know, you know the sun will never be consistent. Hey, come on. Right? It's like, Pastor Alex, you offended me. Don't worry. As you are going, your, where your house shall be dark. You shall, do you understand? You will just realize the sun is shining here today, not shining here tomorrow. Shining there. You're like, what's happening? Say, anywhere you don't see the sun, they have offended God. <laughs> are, are you hearing what I'm saying? But there is the general mercy of God. Now, pay attention. This is where it concerns you. Don't be a Christian who is just living by the general mercy of God. There is more you can use your faith for. Even if you don't believe God for anything in your life, the mercy of God will still get certain levels of provisions for you. You still get certain levels of protection. You still get... Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? But if you really want to press into the kingdom, then you need to pull out your faith. Are you following this now? Yes. It's like, it's like, uh, sorry to use this example, but I just want to make you understand. It's like everybody here, there's food prepared for us, right? But then they say, oh, for ministers, you guys come eat here, right? Now, that, it, we are all eating food. But, so that food the, the food is the general mercy. But if you want certain extra, you have to wear suits. Right? Which is your faith. So, you can actually live and die on the general mercy of God. Remember, we're talking about fundamentals of faith. So, you might actually never actively use your faith for the rest of your life. You might just be fine. But if you really want more, that's why everyone who was written in Hebrews chapter 11 did something extra with their faith. They just pushed in. I'll give you an example. Caleb and Joshua. Right? Some people just coasted into the promised land and entered. But Caleb said, God promised me this mountain. Give it to me. He got a hold of the mountain. 
He got a hold of the region. Everybody was just like, wait, are we in the promised land? He said, yes. Where are you staying? Anywhere. Since when? <laughs> is, <laughs> is this promised land? Yes. This is promised land. We are not traveling again. He said, I'm, I'm fine. I, I mean, Caleb could have just said, thank God I made it. <sighs> After 80 years, God, keep your mountain. No, but Caleb came and said, hey, hey, Joshua, remember, remember, Moses promised me a mountain. You can just live your life, get married, have children, open a Facebook account, and die. Or you can just, like, there's more. There's more. I I think we can press in for more. So, enjoying the good things of life without using your faith does not mean you are in faith. That's the point. That's the point. Number six. Number six. Faith is not putting subtle pressure on people and calling it faith. I'll repeat that again. Faith <laughs> is not putting subtle pressure on people and then calling it faith. You're not putting pressure on people to meet your need and then you turn around to say you are in faith. Right? You know that somebody can buy something for you. You not say, well, we just thank God. We are trusting God. We are believing God. And then you mention whatever you are believing God for. Faith does not give a hint. Faith does not give a hint. Faith does not coerce people and call it faith. It's pressure on the word, not pressure on people. And pastors need to be careful of this because sometimes you pull offerings and the pressure is on the people. That's, that's a problem. You have to learn not to put pressure on people. Even God does not put pressure on people to give. In Exodus, he says, tell them to bring an offering for me. When you read the next verse, it says, those who the Lord stirred their heart brought. Not everybody gave to the tabernacle. And God didn't punish them for not giving. You, you, you must learn that. Let me tell you, right? Your offerings is not dependent on the people who came to your church, who are members of your church. You need to buy my book, God is the Greatest Giver. That is the greatest mind renewal. let me have that book. That is the greatest mind renewal every pastor needs. Because when we see people's head, we see money. Like 100, 200, uh, she's well dressed. 300, 1,000. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are certain amounts of money, not just pastors, everybody make sure you get this book. God is the greatest giver in the ministry. I first of all heard this statement from Mark Hackins, and then the Lord spoke it to me personally. Your greatest giver in your ministry is not who gave you the highest money. Your greatest giver is the God who inspired that person to sow. So your greatest financial partner can walk away, but your greatest giver in the ministry has not walked away. God is your greatest giver. So everybody get this book. It is just you can apply that principle in business. Right? One day the Lord, uh, Brother Higgins said, Brother Higgins said, 
He says, one day someone is going to give us a million dollars. And I'm believing for it. And, and, and he said that for many years. And one midweek Bible Wednesday service, a lady came in and dropped a check of $500,000. And before the end of the service, dropped another $500,000. Got a midweek, in a midweek service, got $1 million. Was not a conference. You know why most times, sorry to say this, forgive me in advance, walk in love. You know why most preachers never get money during conferences? Because they always feel they will get money during conferences. So they always feel like, if we hold this big meeting, money is going to come. Shifted your source already. Shifted. You're, you're already in unbelief. And when, during COVID, uh, people began to do broadcasts and do stuff, and their account number was up. My, my secretary, yeah. And I told them, because, sorry, I'm not judging you, okay? Please receive this with a pure heart. I'm just telling you how the Lord led me. So I'm not saying you were wrong. But when I talked to a few ministers, I, I, I felt the conversation like, if we don't put out our offering account out there, people are not going to give, people are not coming to church, they're not going to give. And my secretary is here, I instructed them, all through our broadcast during the COVID period, don't put our account number. Don't put it up. I mean, we put it now. But during COVID, our account number was not up. We got the highest single giving during COVID that ran into thousands of dollars from one person. And while the whole COVID was going on, we were building. In eight years of ministry, we've never received that offering. Our income grew in COVID. We paid staff in COVID. Because immediately COVID started coming, people already started losing hope. Are you following what I'm saying now? What things are you doing in your ministry thinking if you do this, more money will come? That's faithlessness. God is your source. We'll show up in Dear Timothy. We'll talk about that a lot more. Let's, let's go on. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you. Husbands and wives. Wives, learn to use your faith for money. Your husband is not your source. Your husband is your husband, but he's also a child of God. And we are all children of God, looking up to God. There are certain things... My kids will ask me, I will tell them, go write it in your Facebook. Because I'm a son of God, you are a son of God, we are all children of God. God gave you to me for a time to hold for him. So, I mean, I, I, my son is 14, my son is going to be, he will be 14 December, December 3rd. And I sat in and I said, boy, you're going to be 14 now. Two things I'll tell you. I know God is going to bless you, but never think that myself and your mom are going to have to depend on you to look after us. We will never be that broke. So I need to make him clear. So whatever I do to you, I'm blessing you as a father. But my old age is Genesis chapter 24 verse 1. And Maxwell and Mary were old and very advanced in age and God had blessed them in all things. I said that's the picture when we are 80. Because when I'm 80... 
That's when I'll start talking to God about when to leave. When, once I'm sure with Pastor Mary, decide who is going first. We just decide how that will work. <laughs> so I know when we start having the conversation with God, like how many years, what do you want me to do? And then there's nothing to do. Just go home to be with the Lord. I mean, you don't need to. Just call your children, let them know, well, in a few days' time, I'll be off. Any questions? <laughs> Give them the ATM. Just make people cry over for you. Don't sleep and not wake up. Why would you sleep and not wake up? It's time to go. Just have a meeting. Call all your friends. Hey, next year conference. Not sure I'll be available. Somewhere between this year, I'm going home. That's what we see in scriptures. Somebody say, what about if it doesn't happen? That. That's your problem. Not mine. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's stop living like these things are unpredictable. We sang a song, right? Zoe is in me. Do you believe that song? The very life of God. You know Paul did what I was saying now? Paul says, if I go, it's okay for me. But it's not good for you. Okay, I'll stay a while. Hey, the guy was negotiating with death. Brother Higgins said, I'll never die with a sickness. I'll die when my time is up. And when he, when he was going home to be with the Lord, had lunch with the family, he said, it's time. Dropped his head. That was all. Jacob said, gather my sons. Even our parents, right? Your mom is here. Even our grandparents, that's how they died. They would say, call my first child for me. Come on. How many of you had that experience? Because they haven't learned about generational causes. Oh. They knew that people don't just die, right? Those, sometimes they'll just say, bring that my grandson for me. I want to see him. Immediately they see that grandchild, the person. That means they could hope until because they were taught away by oral communication. But then a preacher came and said, you don't know when you will die. Death is an appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. You might be going home now and the trailer hits you and you are gone. And over time, if there is an appointment, I can cancel it. I can say, hey, I'm not keeping that appointment. Because for an appointment to take place, two people have to agree. Are you here? Believe the word. If I teach you anything, it's not in the word, don't believe it. This is not experience, this is the word. Praise God. Where was I? There's so many rabbit trails in today's meeting. <laughs> so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Are we there? We've moved past there. Let me see. Let me, let me look at my notes. Let me see. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? So when you sing that song, The Life of God in Me. It's not just words. The life of God is in you. It says, if that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, in your mortal body, the Amplified says it will revitalize your mortal body. It will cause dead cells to come back to life. Hallelujah. So faith does not put pressure on people. If God says, um, last month, was it last month? 
When was I in Anambra last month? This month. Okay. This month, right? Was it? This, okay, yeah, yeah. First week of this month, yeah. Um, I went to preach in the East. We've been praying for the Lord to open the door for us in the East. And I know a whole lot of preachers in Eastern Nigeria. And from nowhere that invitation came. Faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, you need to learn it. Because it does not put treasure on people. The pressure is where? On the word of God. So you cannot say to be in faith and all the pressure is on people. It's not faith. And this is big. When you are believing God for something, your uncle is not your source. Most people's faith are not working because they have a lot of rich people around them. That's why you have a lot of rich people around you. You can beg, you can ask. That's why your faith has not been fully developed. If you were like us that grew up with nobody, even you that is poor, you are considered the richest. You would, you, do you understand? Do you know what it means to be in a situation where there is no uncle you can call? What happens is you develop your faith faster. Because you know, is it that God pulls through or I'm done? You know, I, I, you know, I have, and sometimes I have to struggle to teach my kids this because my kids don't. I, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, my daughter, she's she's uh, nine. She'll, she'll be nine on Monday. Uh, one day, my wife was she was asking about. She asked a lot of biblical questions. This is really intriguing, intriguing to me, and I really like that. One day, she asked my wife, uh, "Why do people suffer?" And so my wife was trying to explain. Satan, you know, when Satan did this, people began to suffer. Then she said, uh, but we are not suffering. <laughs> like, they don't have an idea of what it means to go without food. They, they don't understand it. Are you feeling that? They don't. So for, for, for someone like them, you, you really need to be deliberate to train them on faith because they, they, they just see things supplied. That's why sometimes the next generation is not as proficient in faith as the older generation because there is abundance. So if you have abundance, you have to be more disciplined in training faith. That's why God told Joshua, leave these stones in Jordan so that when your children ask you what does those stones signify, you would use that opportunity to teach them the process of coming to the, uh, to the, to the, to the promised land. That's why you partake of the Passover meal annually. Why do you partake of the Passover meal? So that you use that to teach children how you came from Egypt because a generation in prosperity does not know how to use faith. So you have to be schooled into it. You have to be schooled into it. Are you, are you come on, are you in this? So, for some of us that are well blessed, you have to be deliberate about feeding your children faith. And let me tell you this R- negative example, but just to buttress the message. In case something happens to you, they know how to get to where you were before you passed on. So, teach your children faith, get them faith messages, let them listen, tell them to start believing God, to start trusting God. 
They need something. Hey, start believing God for it. Let them exercise their faith. Are you following this? What will, what will, so that the pressure is not on people. Even to have open doors in ministry, the pressure is not. Praise the name of the Lord. Seven. Faith is not only for things, but faith is to fulfill purpose, to live right, and to act on the word of God. So faith Praise God. Alright. Faith is not only for things, but faith is also to fulfill your purpose, to live right, and to act on the word of God. So, let, let me close here. Let me close here. Faith is not only to get things. Now, if, you, if you're training your faith to only get things, there's going to be a problem. Because you'll only be looking for prosperity message. Faith is to fulfill your assignment. That assignment might mean going to your death. Like Paul, prophet Agabus came and said, whoever has this belt, this is how he will be bound. And the whole church was crying and said, Paul, don't go. Paul, don't go. And Paul says, you know what? I'm going. I'm ready to die. Faith. Faith is to live right. Learn to use your faith to live as a new creation in Christ. So it's not just for things. It's not just for cars. That's, that's one thing we got fundamentally wrong with the faith message. Because now we have people with cars and no character. Money, no morals. Say, we are rich and have need of nothing. But God looks at them and says, you are poor. You are Richard, because the very character of Christ is not formed in you. So faith is for living on the word of God, acting on the word. Oh, I always feel discouraged. Then you need to use faith to get joy. So you start using your faith for joy. I always get depressed. You need to start using your faith. When the enemy puts that mantle of depression on you, you go to the scriptures. I have a gamut of praise, right? You're not submitting to that attack of the enemy. I'm always worrying. Then you start building your faith not to worry. You know, I'll say this last story and I close. When, when, when I first got married, my wife told me, says one of the things that was so uh, was used to get to me was the fact on how we, a, there will be a major issue and you will be sleeping. Me, I'll be sleeping. Like there will be a major, like there's something going on and then I'll sleep soundly. Not worried. You know why? The scripture says the God who keeps Israel never sleeps nor slumber. Since God has chosen not to sleep, I won't make that choice. I'm not God. And two of us don't need to be awake. Whatever problem is not solved by nine o'clock, by seven o'clock, we will continue. Sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the mighty walking power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Thank you, Father God, for this first session. Thank you for insight and revelation for this first session. Thank you for lives that have been transformed. Thank you for lives that have been transformed. Thank you for lives that have been transformed. Those who are looking for donkeys, God is crowning you to be kings. Some of you are looking for certain things, but in that search, in that search, you're finding your purpose. You're finding your destiny. Oh Lord, we thank you for this glorious session. Oh Lord, we thank you for this glorious session. <laughs> oh Lord, we thank you for this glorious session. Thank you. We thank you for this house. We thank you for Fortress Assembly. We thank you for this well. We thank you for the pastors and the ministers that are here. Oh, we thank you. <laughs> we thank you for the devil is defeated. We have the victory. Thank you for abundance. Thank you for supplies. Thank you for supplies. Thank you for supplies. Thank you for supplies. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.